Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mailbag. My name is Damo and Clarky is also here. How you doing, mate? G'day. This week's guest is the author of Around the Grounds on the website each week. It's Baron Von Crow. Great to have you, Baz. Uh, thank you for having me. Twice in one week I get to go on podcasts. Twice yeah. in one week. I'm like the, the, the guy on the old talk show who, who lived near the studio and then when someone didn't turn up, they would just go, Oi, go get Nick down the street quickly. we got 30 minutes to fill. It's good. When you're on tour, though, you know, you've got to play all the venues, right? Yeah, you got to. You gotta. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like when, um, it's, it's like going on Media Street when you're promoting a tour. <laughs> I have nothing to promote. Oh, well. Apart from Around the Grounds, which oh, it was yeah. published today, and you guys should all go and read it because it's a great article where you can read about Waffle, Sandful, VFL, rookies. Ooh, stuff. Everything. Unashamedly, Around the Grounds gives me the most information that I get during the week. Oh. And I love reading it for that exact reason. And I don't care if that's self-promotion. <laughs> go read it. If you're listening to this podcast, you should have already read it. Glad to hear you get something out of it. Now, Clarky, how good was it to see your D's get up for the great Neil Danaher on Monday? 8-18. What are we, Carlton? <laughs> Oh, that was horrible. I had a really bad time because that's a stressful game because you have it in your head and Damo, you'll know because you're in this particular group chat. We have a group chat for our Keeper League and there is a Collingwood supporter in there. Uh, Shout out to you, Tim. And Tim and I were just going back and forth with going, oh, no, no, we're going to lose this. You guys are going to beat us. So just back and forth. I think at one point another group chat member said, can you guys shut up? Far out. It's like on a, it was probably the most intense defensive game I've seen from Melbourne for a while, which is really good. And some I won't say uncharacteristic because it's not uncharacteristic, but probably a, a an anomaly in terms of how badly we kicked. Um I'm I'm kind of glad because I think that probably is a barometer of where both teams are at. Where if everything goes right for Melbourne, then we're on top on the day, and if everything went right for Collingwood, they would have been on top, but the margin would be quite small. And it's my favourite type of Collingwood, which is no Jordan Degoe Collingwood. So, yeah, it was good. Love Neil Danaher. Go, still go buy big freeze beanies if you can. Money still goes to charity. Go donate still. Um, Supercoach-wise, I can talk about my week Supercoach-wise, which was not great, as I watched Lech Dog soar to a 2300 and saw my projector get lower and lower. Um... And, like, it was weird because it felt like it shouldn't have been a difficult week. But I think there were quite a few players who were probably a bit down on what we expected. English only hit 99 against Port Adelaide, which I don't think a lot of people would have picked. Lockie Neal, a 102, was kind of under. Tom Green, a 77. What are we doing with that? Jake Lloyd. Oh, my God. Jake Lloyd. Damo, do do we want to talk about Jake Lloyd after we were pretty set on him being a defensive option last week and then... Spent I, not a lot of t- spent a lot of time on the wing. I tr- <laughs> I traded him in, and quite fr- and quite frankly, I don't want to talk about it. Um, a lot of, I, lot I of mean, wing he, time. He did score forty five points in that last quarter when he was finally returned to defense. So hopefully, he stays there now and stays there for good. Because we can't trade him out. We're out of trades. <laughs> I ain't I think back. we should just have a new blanket rule. Because I have Nick Blakey. No more Sydney defenders. They're a pain in the ass all year. Just no, no. I don't care what they average, what they could average. Not picking them. It's too stressful. Yeah, agree. 
they're always moved up the ground and then they end up playing for Adelaide. <laughs> Is there such a thing as a horse salad? <laughs> I don't think so. Let's let's get to the questions before this gets out of hand. Um, first question comes from Kata. So he wants to know, now that we're halfway through the season, who do we think will be top six in their positions or top eight or top two or whatever position it is? So how we're going to answer this first question is we'll go through the current top players in each position um, and we can discuss who we think might fall out or who might jump up towards the end of the year. Um, we'll go by average because Clarkie likes it that way. <laughs> you can't, you can't reference off air ifs. You can't. This is this is the same as you know when you're fighting with your spouse and you get to a party and you try to hold it together because you, you got to no, know the, the fight happens on the car home. You got to be present in front of people, Damo. You wait for the car ride home, baby. <laughs> we'll hash this out. Anyway, we'll start in defence. Uh, Nick Dacos is number one with an average of 119.5. Number two is Jordan Dawson. Three is James Sicily. Four is Tom Stewart. Fifth is Luke Ryan. Sixth is Caleb Daniel. Seven is Jack Sinclair. Eight is Jack Zebel. And then nine and ten is Jake Lloyd and Sam Doherty. Do we think that remains pretty much the same? If we're talking about averages. Yeah, Caleb Daniel probably slides a bit higher and Jack Sinclair as well. I think it's probably pretty close to how I'd imagine the top 10. Houston is a question mark as always. I think Sheasel's probably still with an outside chance, depending on how his role works out for the rest of the season. I think Mason Redman can, can come home with a wet sail as well and could make a charge, perhaps. Yeah, I think uh, Redmond or Ridley, they won't hit that average overall because of time missed, but you could say over the last 11 games, Ridley or Redmond could certainly jump up to a 100-point average, which potentially puts them in that sort of 8 or 9 position. There's not going to be a whole lot lot of points differing between those sort of 8 to 12 positions, so it's maybe much a muchness of... If someone finishes 12th and 9th, there won't be a big difference between that. Probably 1 to 6 is where you would want to be hoping one of your guys raises because that will be the, the there'll be a, a 6 point, 8 point, 10 point difference in that sort of a range of scores. I reckon the biggest slider out of those, those top averaging defenders will probably be Luke Ryan. Um, he's currently on a really bad run of form after starting the year pretty strong. Um, you know, the highest score of a 91 in his last four, um, including an 85, an 84, and an 83. So that, I don't know. I think it depends on how Frio are going to go, but I think he's probably one who could slide a bit further down to make way. The good news for Luke Ryan is Heath Chapman is due back in a couple of weeks, so Luke Ryan could return to his um, rebounding role, which saw him score well to begin the season. If we move to the midfield now, 
Number one is Marcus Bontempelli with an average of 126.3. Then Clayton Oliver. Then Josh Dunkley. Then Christian Petrarca. Then Tim Taranto. Tom Libertore. Uh, Jordan Dawson. I suppose we count him as a defender and a midfielder, but um, his partner in crime, Rory Laird, is right below him. Caleb Sarong and Zach Merritt. I actually think that uh, Lockie Neal could possibly make a charge, given that they've got a few games at the Gabba on the run home. And I know Zach Butters is mid-forward and we'd probably be counting him as a forward instead, but he's every chance to, to make a run for that top 10 as well. There's quite a few really kind of puts it into perspective when you start going further down the list of just how many guys are either having injury affected, suspension affected, or just a little bit of a bad run. Like, Took Miller, 27th, he's not going to be back till round 19. So next year, he'll, you know, he won't even appear in your top 10. You'll probably forget about him until you scroll all the way down. You go, why is he here? Chad Warner, if we're talking averages, probably has a chance over the next couple of weeks before Mills comes back to really push himself up there. Uh, same with Sam Walsh. Uh, a little bit of a change in gameplay style for Sam Walsh. He comes back to the Sam Walsh of old. That, that's shoe in for those top numbers. And one of his friends who, Damo, you're going to hate it, but I'm going to bring him up, Adam Chera. He, yeah, I was thinking Chera too. He's a shining light in a Blues midfield at the moment. Um and, you know, let's be honest, we all know that Carlton are better than how they're playing, and Adam Chera is really showing that. Like, 132 last it, week was... It, it really feels like Adam Chera is turning into the player that he was drafted to be. Um, but it's taken him a little... It's taken him a few more years to, to get into that sort of role, but he's the one that seems to be picking up the slack for Carlton in the, in, in the middle, and he's having a really good run of form over the last few weeks for Carlton. He's one of their, he's, he's one of their, their positives. He's, he's found another level for them. And if he could maintain that when Cripps and Walsh get back into form, then their midfield is going to be very, very scary. Um, but no, Clarky, I, 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 if, if the Dockers didn't trade Adam Chera, they wouldn't have drafted Jai Amos and I love Jai Amos. So oh, I'm happy with it. So I'm, I'm honestly the, the Adam Chera trade could probably turn into the same to a similar debate to the Chris Judd Josh Kennedy, who won the who who won the trade sort of thing. Jack McRae is probably another one who I'd say will be up there by season end. Um, even though he has got forward mid status, I, he's a midfielder. Like we know, I actually think he could be a forward next season. Because he because he only attended something like one centre bounce for the entire game against Port Adelaide the week before. I look forward to owning him when they play North this week. Baron, who did you um do you do you think Noah Anderson or Matt Rowell could potentially make a charge? They're going to be tough because they'll both have that old dud game mixed in every now and then, maybe once every five weeks, they'll get an 80. Uh, but then on the flip side, they've also shown that 
if they have a big game, they'll pump out a 180 score too. So that probably evens it out a bit. But I think they're both just a bit too far behind to catch up for the rest of the year. Zach Merritt is 10th. I think he's got the potential to push into the top six to end the year. I'm big on Zach Merritt. And did anyone have Tom Liberatore as a top as a top five midfield top four midfielder if we take out the dual position players? Yeah. Wouldn't have be a wouldn't have bet on it, even if it was uh free money. And and he's still only in seven point seven percent of teams, so people still aren't convinced, which is amazing. He's expensive now, that's the problem. I've wanted him for about five weeks and every single time I've been like, ah, oh, crap, i got other things. I can't get to that. At first it, it, it was kind of like, can you trust it? And it feels weird to trade him in because he's, what, 30, turning 31, or he's, he's approaching 30, so he's at that age where there should be a bit of a drop-off, but he just seems to be getting better and better with every, every season now. And um, maybe those couple of years off with those... With those ACLs, has has given him a, you know, a, a, a bit of a rebirth. Mm. If we move to the ruck line, Kieran Briggs will be a top two ruck <laughs> by average. He will be. Um, I can't. We have to count him, <laughs> but. I'll I'll read the top five, not the top ten, because the top ten's a bit of a you know a bit of a cop out. Um, we'll do the top five. So Tim English uh, with an average of one hundred twenty three point six, Jared Witts with an average of one hundred fourteen point eight, Kieran Briggs with an average of one hundred thirteen point three from four games, Rowan Marshall with an average of one hundred eleven point two. And Toby Nankervis with an average of 110.8. There's only two players who have played every game that they've been available for. And that's Rowan Marshall and Tim English. Yeah, it's seems pretty clear that they're going to be far and away the top two rucks of next year. Um, Kieran Briggs, though. How long do we think Kieran Briggs is is the number one ruck for, for the Giants, though? Because Adam Kingsley was running with Matthew Flynn for quite a long time and gave him some leeway to kind of have that down game. But now it feels like Kieran Briggs is getting that chance. Does Kieran Briggs let go of that man, mantle anytime soon? Not the way he's playing. It sort of feels like now that he's moved Himmelberg back to defense maybe he's trying to set some more permanent moves in place for the rest of the year at least so the fact that Briggs has been brought in for a month now and played well and now we're seeing some I won't say smarter moves but what maybe should have been done from the start in terms of yeah someone like Himmelberg down back that I think they're trying to set their 22 for the rest of the year and run with it and see how it goes before they head into the off season and reevaluate. Well, we can think of it this way as well. Matt Flynn is out of contract at the end of this year, I believe. Yen Briggs is contracted until the end of 2024, if I remember correctly. So I think you'd go on form that 
with Braden Pruce in the wings as well, still on their books. I don't know when he is meant to come in or out of contracts. Um, you can't you can't not play an, a ruckman who's just playing as well as Briggs is as well. Like it's just completely different to how Flynn was, and I don't think I'm I'm with you, Baron. Where it's they're at the point where they're like, they it's mathematically possible for them mm-hmm. to make the eight. Um, they've got a bit of a rough run sort of after the bye, but there's a lot of fifty fifty games in there, and having a solid. And I think I said this last week. I think I love the way that Kieran Briggs plays like a big ruckman. Like he is strong. He is confident in his craft at the moment. I mean, it's... I genuinely think that he could not buy total points, um, depending on how they want to do it for next year, because obviously the total points and average and whatever their price is will kind of dictate where they sit on the list. But in terms of averages... I absolutely have no doubt that he should be in that top five if he continues this form. In fact, I'm I'm honestly considering keeping him and getting rid of one of English or Marshall, depending on how that goes over the next couple of weeks after the after their buy. Yeah, I've currently slotted him in because I had Darcy Cameron and traded him out for Samson Ryan. So Briggs is my R two upgrade this this week that I'm planning to keep for the year as my R2. That's it. It's weird to have such confidence in, like, it's just the eye test. Yeah. We've spoken about it many times. The the eye test is, oh, could go on for ages. But I don't think he's a player, like, no one's surprised that he's playing well. We all knew he was talented. It was just a matter of him being able to handle the physicality and getting the opportunity. And he's been in the system, what, this, this is his fourth year or something, I think? Yeah. Yeah. So... He's developed, he's big, he's ready to play, playing him, and he's playing well. And I remember in the preseason, I was talking to um, Lechdog Lechdog about Kieran Briggs saying, I think he's the ruckman that Adam Kingsley will lean towards because Adam Kingsley was uh, the midfield coach for Richmond when, when he was at the Tigers, and... Briggs and Nankervis are pretty similar ruck, a pretty similar ruckman in the, in the, in the way that they play, so it, he he's kind of getting the same result from a ruckman by having Briggs in the middle con- contesting, and then it's just the midfielders that he has to that he has to bring in around him. It's it's not so much creating a system out of a more athletic ruckman or a or a, or a taller ruckman or a, you know it'll he's kind of getting the same thing and able to build on what he already knows rather than having to find a new tactic to, because the Ruckman isn't, um, isn't the same as what he had before. Isn't the same as what he had before. Mm, Yeah. And I know he's number two, but Jared Witts has fought, has slipped under the radar a little bit when he missed those games with, with the back injury. I think a lot of people traded him out, but he's still, he is he's still top ten for total points and number two for average. So um he is he's someone who if you held on to him you'd be you'd be pretty happy. Agreed. If we move to the forward line, now this is where it becomes a bit messy, because we've already spoken about Josh Dunkley, Tim Taranto, Zach Butters, Jack McRae. Next comes in is Connor Rosie. Uh, we've already spoken about Caleb Daniel. We briefly touched on Jack Zebel. 
Uh, you got Errol Golden. Um, after two games, you got to talk about Taron Thomas, I guess. Mm. Um, Shy Bolton is averaging ninety eight point two. I think I. You know what? Not not to stop you there, but I think he is one that once again watching Richmond games recently, he's become like a pretty big cog in the the wheel of when Richmond are doing well. He is getting a lot of the football. He's doing a lot of really important stuff for them, like big moment kind of stuff. I think he's one who could really cement himself in that top 10. He's definitely having a very rich run of form, averaging 116 over the last three, 115 over the last five. So he's having a very good run. Um only one score below 92 in the last six games and four above 120 with 151 against Fremantle just on the weekend and 152 against West Coast back in round eight. So he's he's shown that he's got a very good ceiling as well. Yes. Um, Stephen Canelio is um, 11th on average. Jeremy Cameron is 12th on average. Um, Harry Sheasel is also in this list, but we spoke about him briefly in the defence. Um, and Toby Green is averaging 96.4 as well. There'll be a key forward in the top 10 somewhere. But... And, you, and given who's currently in that list, you'd you'd suggest that it would be either Jeremy Cameron or maybe Charlie, Green. Maybe Charlie Kernow. Toby Green's not a key forward. Maybe Charlie Gurno. <laughs> yeah, Baron. Yeah, do we think that uh, Darcy Cameron might start picking it up a bit? He's hasn't not. I won't say he's been bad, but he probably hasn't been quite what we would have hoped. If you brought him back, I think it's five round average of like eighty five, which I mean it's not terrible, but it's not fantastic either. The only other one who's probably in a bit of a purple patch, and if he can continue, is Nick Martin from Essendon. Oh, yes. Juicy. Yeah. Now, see, the, the problem with that is because he's hit his purple patch now, he's 531,000. So buy in. If, if you're taking bets, do you go Cameron at 446, Martin at 531? Like, I'd probably take Cameron because he's cheaper and I still would have more confidence that he's going to, at the very least, pump out an average for the rest, uh, an average of a hundred for the rest of the year. And the way, and, and the way that, and the way that Peter Wright played in that first game, I know it was against Carlton, but I remember when Brad Scott was in charge of North Melbourne, we'd constantly see Drew Petrie, Jared Waite and all that at the top of, the li- at the t- at the top of the list when we ha- when the team pickers came out due to their average, I know it's only been one game, but could Peter Wright make a charge on, on if we're talking averages strict strictly for the for the top ten? My worry with him is he won't have like we're talking about with someone like Noah Anderson where he'll have a bad game. His good games won't be quite high enough to make up for that. So his good game might be a hundred. 10 and his bad games is going to be 60 so that's not quite enough to even up the equation 
Yeah, I mean, I tend to, I, I, I tend to agree with you. It was just something I wanted to throw out there because I remember Jared Waite being a top six forward one one year when Brad Scott was in charge at North Melbourne. So just you could definitely argue if you've got five weeks left in the year and you're looking, I'm desperate, I'm desperate, I need one more upgrade in my forward line and I do not have the cash to buy someone in the top 10, you can definitely take a punt on him and he might have a red-hot five weeks headed into the finals. Uh, how many we got left? 11 weeks? I'd probably be less confident at this point of the year on taking that risk on him. But in the final month, it's 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 possible he does that. He could definitely string together four or five games where he just he'll kick thirty goals over that period. He's his his last five games of the season, he's got Sydney, West Coast, North Melbourne, the Giants and Collingwood. So there's every chance that he strings together a good run of form to give someone a boost up the rankings if that's what they're searching for. And he's in zero point two percent of teams. So I Ultra don't think fun. it's gonna go much higher than that. At this point, maybe up to 1% if I'm just taking a wild guess. So that would be an absolute pod move that I don't think many others would be making. Not to recommend you do it, but that kind of idea, that could apply to anyone in any position. There's going to be someone who could have a hot run on the way home. Absolutely. So I hope we answered that question. I know it was long-winded and... There was, and uh, we kind of went on tangents with no end, but hopefully we got an answer out there for the people listening. Hey, we talked about a lot, Damo. We don't apologize for being over-explanatory. And I've just spent the last probably three minutes thinking about how good it's going to be to buy Nick Martin. <laughs> oh, that... That's going to be so good. Next question. Next question comes from Rodney on Twitter. He wants to know, should I keep Luke Ryan at D6 and grab Petraka um, and Liberatore as my final two upgrades with no cover or bring in Harry Himmelberg as a value option, pick up Sam Walsh or Jack Steele as his final upgrades and have Fife as cover. So one option, he has no cover. And one option, he goes for cheaper options and then has Nat Fife as cover. I mean, if you still have trades left, or is this like a I'm going down to zero trades scenario? Because I don't think any of us could argue a world where buying both Christian Petrarca and Liberatore is a bad thing. Is that... Without seeing his team, it's it's hard to say exactly, but I think bringing in Petrarca and Liberatore... And having Luke Ryan at D six is That's really baller. not a is really not That's... a ba- is really not a bad scenario. Man, man's got good problems. What Maybe he's just bragging. He's not asking yeah. a question. He's just <laughs> bragging. Um, excuse me, is my team bad or better than yours? Because I have two really of the top ten midfielders and Luke Ryan at DC. Some of us are still fielding Mitchell and he's on a bye this week. Alright, Rod, have a think of the poor unfortunate souls out in the super coach world. Yeah, to be to be honest, I'd I'd spend up if you have trades left. Yeah, I think we can't say for sure. Harry Himmelberg is value, sure. Like no questions there. But he's not like Luke Ryan has the ceiling and buying up on two guys who 
you know, in Petrarca and Liberatore who are, let's, let's be honest, they're 120 guys on an average week. Like, you know, maybe Petrarca's a bit more up and down, but Liberatore's having the season of a lifetime. I don't think there's any real downside to having those and going full YOLO. Yeah, so I think if you got trays left, Petrarca, Liberatore, keep Luke Ryan. You're doing you're doing pretty well for yourself. Next question comes from Malcolm. For those with George Wardlaw, Eddie Ford, um, Alex Gincotta, etc., do we delay our upgrade cadence to get every bit of cash, or upgrade next week leaving money on the table? I've. I'm a upgrade when you can upgrade guy. So if you can upgrade now, I'm not going to quibble over the extra 40 grand uh Chincotta's going to make. You know, yeah. that's My my advice w- w- would be look at your targets. See who see who you want to bring in. See who's going to come down in price. See who's going to rise in price. See pick some targets because you don't know the answer to this question until you know who you want to trade in. For like for example, a few weeks ago, people knew that they wanted to trade in Nat Fife at two hundred and forty four k, because his break even went down to what six or something, and he was and he wasn't going to be much much cheaper for the rest of the season. Whereas people know that they can trade out an injured Clayton, an injured Clay Clayton Oliver, because his break evens through the roof, and they know that they can bring him back eventually at a, at a cheaper price, like. It's all about knowing your target and knowing when to jump on them or to to bring them into your team. So if you can trade Ford and Sincotta and bring in a rookie and the rookie and the primo that you want to upgrade them to now, then I see no issue with doing that. And and then it doesn't matter how much money they make from there on. But if you but if your target is isn't quite at a price that you you can afford and you need them to make the extra cash, then hold on to them but you but work out what target you want to go for first and then work out whether you can trade or not but i agree with with with, with baron upgrade when you can upgrade as quick as possible no notes for me um you're not leaving that much money on the table anyway like you these guys that you're talking about the the wardlaws the fords that kind of thing they're pretty much at the peak. Like when you're talking in the matter of like three K, unless your budget is super, super tight, then it's not really going to make that much of a difference. I mean, you know, people are still holding Sheasel myself. I'm still holding Sheasel and he's making, he's losing money. And, but that's fine because he's still putting 90 plus points on, on the board. And then if I decide to trade him, he, I'm making sure that it's for somebody that I'm actually targeting. So, as these guys have said, you know, make the trades when you can, but know who you want to get. Don't just make a trade blindly. Make it with purpose. And the next question comes from Pato from Supercoach Co-Captains. Now, Pato will be our guest next week, so make sure you get your questions in. It's going to be a great episode. He wants to know, does Patrick Cripps need to be taken around the back of the sheds? Send him to the woodshed. Old yeller. Oh, God. <laughs> I, um, I, I shouldn't say that to Clarky. He loves dogs, so I'll probably just <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> upset oh, him a bit. 
with the old uh, yellow reference. But. Um, the, the the only notes I have on this is he must be carrying an injury or something because there's no way that Cripps can be that scared of a contest because he's never been that scared of a contest in his entire playing career. So he must be there must be something that that he's protecting. And to be fair, he's put himself through a decade of bash and crash like it's the end result of it it's unavoidable that a player like him would run into this kind of scenario eventually where his body just can't keep up with it anymore so that's not a um a, a, a red check mark on crips at all it's just the the end result of afl football basically it is how it be and it is it is the time to jump off use use your cash like bring in peter right Bring in, bring in Jeremy Cameron, um, you know, bring in Kieran Briggs, Machito Owens, four hundred eight. Like, you know, there's options. Exactly, it's it's t- like Christian Salem, four eighteen. Who like get these guys who are on the up? Like at least that way, if you can swing it, it gives you a little bit of breathing space. You get someone who's probably going to score consistently higher. Um, and it can make you a little bit of money or give you a little bit of long-term coverage in that line. You know, I'm just sort of looking through the list now. Angus Brayshaw is 448. He's getting a bit more mid-time, which is great news. Elliot Yo is coming off the back of a 113, and he's 399. Maybe it's the time to yo up. And you don't need to look at it as a, a final either. Like, if you have the trades, you can trade him out now before he bankrupts himself anymore if he does somehow manage to turn it around it's probably going to take him two or three games before he gets back up to 450 500 so you can still bring him back in at a bargain price if your worst case scenario happens where you trade him out it's not like he's going to be 600 in the blink of an eye and you can't get him again so the safe move is to trade him out before he loses value and you why you've still got the opportunity to bring someone in and worst case scenario then happens there is well another trade to bring him in which i don't think is going to happen so yeah and the final question as we always finish with who are our vice captains and captains this week oh no Oh, no. I haven't nailed a captain in weeks. I don't think I should be a part of this segment anymore. Um, I'm going I'll with give... Josh Dunkley against the Swans on the Friday night into Jack McRae against North Melbourne on Sunday afternoon. See, I hate this because I went Lockie Neal into Marcus Bontempelli was my gut feel. <laughs> and one of us has to be right. Well, I've uh, gone with uh, Damo on Josh Dunkley. Uh when I do my captains, I usually just ding, ding, first thing that pops in my head. So I currently have uh, Caleb Sarong as my captain against GWS. That's not bad. A watch on Caleb Sarong. He did leave the track with an ankle injury, but it is the one that they've been managing. Um, and this afternoon it was said that he's not expected to miss any game time. It's just a continual, it's just something that they're continuously managing for now. Um, he was pretty much over it and then, and then, tweaked it against Richmond again. So that's always great news to hear. How do we feel about Tom Stewart against Port? I know we hate captaining in the first game. Um, As a vice captain, you pretty much get a free swing. So I don't, I don't mind 
vice captain in the first game. I quite like um, Tom Stewart, especially if he gets a loose role. Um, or but, any one of the Port midfielders as well. Yeah, I don't know about the Port midfielders because Dangerfield is back, Holmes is back, and they've brought back they brought back quite a few players. So I don't know if Geelong's midfield is going to be as is going to be. Um, oh, Mitch Duncan's back as well. Is, is going to be ready to be rolled rolled over again right, as, as, as as quickly. Scratch that. Mitch Duncan's back in. That's the one I know. really wanted to do, which I can't. I feel too nervous doing the scheduling. Would be Matt Rowe against Carlton. Oh. Juicy though. Yeah, if that had been the Friday night game, that would have been a VC lock so quick. But I'm just so nervous because I'm worried he'll pump out one of those eighty games. Part of me really wants to take the risk. Sorry, I'm just. I I, I also seriously considered um, Tim Taranto against St Kilda. That's that's probably a good one as well. St. Kilda aren't super restrictive with their ball use, I don't think. Um so that could be that could be a really good play there. Even hear me out. Kieran Briggs against Luke Jackson. I'm very interested in Docker's team selection this week because Justin Longmuir is not giving anything away. It really wouldn't surprise me if Liam Reedy gets a debut who's pretty much a David Hale, um, Todd Goldstein clone. Very good. Uh, I think that probably covers off most yes. of the viable Liberatore against North, I guess. Yeah. Yep. If you own him, Rod. <laughs> Say any any one of your uh, big name uh, Bulldogs players against North, you could probably take Bontepelli, uh, McRae, Liberatore. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Do you guys feel the hoodoo of teams playing against weaker teams? Does it give you any like off vibes of, yeah, maybe they don't have to try as hard, so they won't? Because I, I always get a little bit nervous in a matchup where I'm like, oh yeah, like this should be pretty pretty straight for them. It 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 does feel like when a player is expected to dominate, they don't. So is, I feel I don't think it's so much the whether the teams win loss that dictates how well someone does or doesn't play. I think it's very much to do with the system that they come up against and then the matchups from within the, within, within the game. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no notes from Baron on that one. No, I, I was just, I was trying to think like, cause we kind of had that experience being at the Crows game against the Eagles. Um, and there wasn't, a point where I thought like Laird or Dawson and that would play poorly, but I was kind of worried there would just be a tiny bit of complacency in there that might just sort of nick that edge off their score to put it down to 100, 110 rather than 140 or whatever Laird got. What do you get? 150 or something? 152 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but I think that was just a case of, even if he was complacent, the Eagles were so bad that um, it didn't matter. So uh, even like if I was playing North, I, that's not a game I would feel comfortable being complacent in because North are sneaky like that. They could still pinch it off you. 
I think only the Eagles would be a side where you could just sort of sleepwalk through it. All right. That's all the questions for today. Baron, thanks for joining us. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Baron Von Krah. I made it very simple. It's my name and spelt the same as I spell it. And make sure you check out Around the Grounds every single week. He covers rookies, waffles, sandful, VFL, the whole shebang. One of the best on the website during the season. And Clarky, thank you again for being here. It's always a pleasure. I look forward to a no-stress weekend of football because Melbourne aren't playing. Yeah, Crow's not playing either. It's and then great. I'm going, I'm going to watch Collingwood play Adelaide at the MCG. So uh, if you hear, if you're walking down the streets of Melbourne and you see a random bald man crying, that will be me probably. I, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not too, but I'm not confident, so... And if you have a question you'd like answered on the next episode, all you have to do is tag your question with Jock Mailbag on social media or send an email to jockmailbag at gmail.com and we'll talk next time.